Welcome to Madison Voices. Theater is a reflection of society and the times in which we live. We give voice to the artist's perspective on art, theater, family, and life. We want to take this time to celebrate the talent, passion, and stories of those who are part of the Madison Theater family. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Angelo Fraboni, Artistic Director of the Madison Theater at Malloy College. My guests this week are two actors who national tours were cut short recently. John Garanya was featured in the national tour of the musical Chicago, while Bella Muller was starring as Milo Davenport in the tour of An American in Paris. Additionally, they are both alumni of the Malloy College Cap 21 Theater Arts Program and have frequently performed at the Madison Theater stage. Please welcome John Guaranya and Bella Muller. Welcome. I'm thrilled to be speaking with you both today. So, you both are recent, recent alumni of Malloy College, and you've had a great success stepping out into the world. Uh, Bella, you are an alum of 2018, and John, 2019, correct? Yep. So let's talk about that first summer when you guys first graduated. Bella, let's start with you since you were the first out, out the door. Yeah, so uh, I was the first graduating class of Malloy Cap 21 as a collaboration. And I luckily had a job lined up with Westman Playhouse for over the summer. Uh, they are a playhouse who has a great relationship with Cap 21. And uh, the students audition pretty much every single year, and normally one or two students end up in their summer program. So I was lucky enough to be one of those people that summer. And I got to do West Side Story and Anna Green Gables up in Vermont. So that was a blast. I had a great time, and I later returned there this past summer to work. Right. Now, Anna Green Gables, that was the play, right? That wasn't the musical. Actually, it was the musical. Uh, and it was written by two women... Uh, who've been in the industry for a really, really long time, Nancy Ford and Gretchen Cryer. And they actually uh, have been writing together for over 60 years. 60? Six zero? 60 years, yeah. And they're pretty much ignored by the musical theater canon. People don't really talk about them that much, but they have a lot of great material. And they came up to see our show, and I got to meet them and talk to them about what it was like to write a female-driven show in a time when, you know, female writers weren't really taken seriously. And it was really cool to hear their struggles and writing in the 60s and 70s and just really fighting the system. It was cool. They're really great women. So it was great to work on. Now, Anna Green Gables, that book is based, Oklahoma, the musical, is based off of that book. Am I not, isn't that correct? Um, Oklahoma is based off of Lilacs on the Green. Oh, Lilacs on the Green. That's right. That's right. Yeah, if I have that title right. Uh, yeah, so it, it's a similar premise, you know, kind of growing up in a very small country town. And if you're not familiar with Western Playhouse, it's in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> People call it Brigadune because it kind of just comes out of the fog and it's this beautiful town of maybe 500 people. But uh, they run an amazing season, sold out all of the shows. And it's really incredible the turnout they get for this really tiny town in the middle of the mountains. So, yeah, they have like three stores there or two stores. The Vermont, the Vermont, uh, <laughs> the Vermont. Cunt. 
And then there's um, a country store across the street, which is trying to compete with them. So I won't get in the middle of that competition. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. It really is. It's almost like the music band. That It's almost like the set of the music band when you go there. They have the little uh, gazebo in the middle of the square right there. It's, it's a beautiful... It's a big circle. And the playhouse is right on this gorgeous river. Uh, and they we, we were called the Young Company, and they housed us in the playhouse. So we would live in this really old, I mean, it was built in the 1800s. Uh, so you can imagine <laughs> the, <laughs> the <laughs> But no, it was, it was a really cool experience. The people there are unbelievably kind. And it was a great introduction to the industry, for sure. Yeah. Any ghost stories from that place? <sighs> well, one, okay. So one morning we would get up to go to the gym at about 7 a.m. every single morning uh, before rehearsals. And one morning we were in the kitchen, everybody's getting ready. And my friend Megumi uh, went to the theater to grab her water bottle that she had left. And she noticed that all the doors to the theater were open because, you know, we're living in the space. So she's walking in and she sees this old woman standing on the stage and kind of presence is like, what? Because, you know, people in the city will kind of do whatever they want. Like, it's totally possible that someone just walked in and was standing in the middle of our set on the stage. And the woman just started, like, turning around really slowly. And <laughs> Makumi just booked it out of me. <laughs> never knew if it was just a patron looking around or if it was ghost. I don't know. It's a mystery. Yeah. <laughs> that is hilarious. I've heard I've heard stories of, of of the ghosts up there, so it's. I was just wondering if you had any experiences. So that was a most recent one, but yeah. Yeah. So John, how was your first summer out of out of school? Um, my first summer out of school was uh, kind of the same as Bella's. I was lucky enough to have a summer stock gig at Surflight Theater, um, and what's funny was I literally graduated and then the next day I had to leave and go do start my contract so it was pretty uh you know it was crazy because it was the end of senior year and then you know I was doing a bunch of different projects and then I graduated and then the very next day I had to leave <laughs> and just go right to work um which was great um I mean I did their summer stock season the year before so it was really great to return um i had a really great station i did um holiday in flash dance mama mia and matilda so it was a very like fun um upbeat season uh and i just i love being down there because it's right on lbi so you're right across from the beach which is nice so you know when we're not too busy we get to go to the beach and you know just really uh take in the nice weather down there it's really great now you both have been in, uh, you know, summer stock. You, you talked about having some time, but in summer stock seasons, you really don't have that much time. You, no, you don't. I mean, like there, I, I know that for myself, it's been like ten to twelve hour days. You know, I mean, you're constantly uh, working, rehearsing, performing. I mean, which I love that because it really gets you in a really good mindset of, you know, that you still have to constantly work. Um, on your craft and you have to, and then, you know, it takes, it takes a lot to make a really great product out of something, you know? Right. And, but while you're performing one show, you're rehearsing another show. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I exhausting. Think, it's exhausting. Yeah. I think yeah. that I look, I look back on it sometimes and I'm like, did we really do that? Like, did I actually like, you know, I mean, looking at it, you'd probably think like that's so much material, but I think that once you just, you get into the swing of it, you do it, you just, 
you just it just happens you know? yeah our listeners probably don't understand that how you keep it straight in your mind when you're rehearsing like mama mia during the day and performing what flash dance at night or whatever you were saying yeah um i think that it's i think it just takes a lot of like focus and um you really i think that if you really like read your work and understand uh i don't know i think that if you keep a very clear focus on like your day and like what you need to do and what you need to tackle and then plus i mean once you do like eight show, once you get used to doing eight shows a week the show that you're doing is sort of like already there i mean it i will say that it is difficult to enter like the world you know when you're in one world during the day and then you have to enter the other world at night it's you know because then you're still kind of thinking about what's going on and what happened at rehearsal the day like during the day so i think that um if you're ever in that situation i think that you just uh take a moment before every show and just remind yourself of like where you need to be and like what show you're doing. Cause sometimes you walk out on stage and you'll be like, wait, where am I? You know what I mean? Or, uh, you know, what show are we doing? Like what is, like what is happening? Yeah. And now Bella, I know at Weston and in the young company, you guys not only rehearsing different shows and performing different shows, you guys write a cabaret or you guys work on a cabaret together. Well, anyone who's been to Weston Playhouse knows that what really makes the Playhouse is their cabaret. If, for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's basically musical SNL. That's the best way I could describe it with a lot of cows. <laughs> it's like Vermont sketch <laughs> comedy uh, to a lot of music that either already exists, music that we write. We play on the shows that we're doing at the time. And over the summer, we do three different cabarets. So... Uh, these are full two-hour productions sometimes of, you know, scenery, props, lines, sketches, wigs, you know, that we have to do after we perform the main stage show. So right. uh, when we come in and we rehearse 10 to noon for this new cabaret we're doing, then we rehearse for the first show we're going to do uh, pretty much all day. And then once we get that first show up and running, then that first cabaret is up and running. And then in the morning, we're rehearsing our brand new cabaret, our brand new show, performing the main stage that we're doing right now and performing the cabaret that we're doing. So honestly, it's normally like a 10 to midnight schedule every single day, no days off. Oh, <laughs> so it's nuts. It's truly nuts. But it's so much fun because it was the first time that I was really asked as an actor to write my own material and be kooky on stage. And it really doesn't leave any room for ego or any kind of like, I'm an actor. That does not exist. You are dressed as a cow, singing Hit Me Baby One More Time as a cow. You know, like, it's it's crazy, but it's, it's really fun. It, it stretches you so much, and it shows you what you're capable of. And I think as a young person, you know, you get so scared of the industry and going into it, and you see it as this big old thing, but this really just catapults you into it and says, you are capable of doing this. You are doing it every single minute of the day and like, look at what you can do, you know? So I, I think it was great. Yeah, absolutely. John, you were going to say something. You were going to add something there? Um, it's, it's sort of the same thing too, where we had to do children's theater. So we would be rehearsing during the show during the day. We'd have uh, an hour for lunch and then 
once you finish re- once you finish rehearsal, then you have to get ready to go do children's theater, and then you go right to the main stage show at night. So it's sort of the same deal of like you're doing one show, then another, then another, and um, yeah, like if I think that there's so there's such a big um, uh, stigma around, especially like theater, uh, that you always have to be like better and that there's and that you always uh that it is like so intimidating and so scary but i i think that yeah like doing stuff like that uh getting thrown into this you know getting thrown into doing one show and then another show another show it's it's uh you can't think about having to do all of the work like you just you have to have fun you know and it's so much fun when you like look back on it and you're and you're running around and you're like getting into different costumes and you're doing all this different stuff like I mean that's I think that that's like where the heart of theater is you know just having a ball yeah and it's and it's a collaboration it's teamwork I mean you really become a family in those situations because you're moving you know, fluidly through from event to event or show to show, rehearsal to rehearsal. And if you don't get along with the people that that you're work, working with, it can be the longest time of your life. But if you, you know, you know, but otherwise, if you get along with everyone, it's just uh, it's a celebration of theater. And you yeah. make lifelong friends too. You know, you, you really get close with people. It's, it's so amazing to meet other, meet new people and to listen to their stories and their life. And it's just so cool. So, so getting thrown into something like that, you guys seemed like you were pretty prepared. So what at cap 21 in Malloy college, Madison theater, what prepared you for any of that kind of, we, we, you guys felt, you, you guys felt pretty prepared when you walked out into the world, didn't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Honestly, I'm sure John can corroborate this, but our schedule at Cap 21 is nuts. It's absolutely crazy. (laughs) So, you know, our bodies are always exhausted. We're always memorizing new things while also probably rehearsing for some show at the Madison Theater, either in the morning or night, and maybe also working a job at the same time. I think that... Oh, it, we live and breathe performing in school. And honestly, it was exhausting at the time. But when I started getting into the industry, I was like, oh, I'm so glad I was tired all the time <laughs> because now I know how to handle it and what my limits are, you know? It felt like I feel that is exactly it, though. Like, we, our schedule was just like one thing right after the other. And I feel like now working at like a very uh, professional, um level it's just like i felt like school was work and now work is just fun you know because, <laughs> because i mean it really though i i and and i'm still so grateful for all of that exposure and like talking to other you know uh other castmates who have been in other theater programs and you know it, their schedule is not as intense as ours um i in my mind i'm like like, wow, like we really did work a lot, you know, and it, but it teaches you to really, that this is, you know, that everything is hard work. And, you know, if you're hustling your way through, then it's such a big relief when you land something that uh, you really wanted or you really love doing, you know? Yeah. Because then the job is the vacation. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you don't have to work a day in your life. You just have so much fun. And you really appreciate like what we do, you know? 
Absolutely. But you guys haven't just, I mean, I want to come back to cap and, and everything because there's a lot to talk about there, but you guys have done a lot of work besides just theater. I mean, Bella, you've done some TV, some print work. Uh, you've been, you've been very, uh, busy on that side. John, you've done some choreography or you, you've been working on choreography and, uh, you've actually been back to, to cap, but let's talk about some of the other work that you do, Bella, that, that you've been exposed to. Sure. Well, it's so funny because my entire life, musical theater is all I've done. And when I got out of school, pretty much other than going back to Weston, the first year I was doing entirely TV and print work, which is not something I expected. But uh, when I got into the industry, I kind of realized that as long as you can stretch yourself in these other ways, you will have so many job opportunities. And um, I actually loved it. I was really surprised with how much I had an amazing time. Uh, I started getting into more commercial and print work as a way to earn extra money on the side. And that opened me up to some TV opportunities. I uh, auditioned for uh, a couple TV shows throughout. But the first TV show that I really booked was Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which was maybe the most stressful day of my entire life. <laughs> it's, um, you know, it's one of my favorite shows, which I know a lot of people in theater feel the same way. I watched the show since it came out and I admire the performers on it so much. And when I got that email with the audition, um, I almost didn't want to go because if I went to that audition and then I did not get it, I think I would have been so broken <laughs> and just so sad because I, ca- I cared about it so much. And um, But it's so funny because when I ended up going to this audition, uh, I didn't have, you know, that much TV experience, but I had some. And there were, you know, women all night. And they talk about this, but it's one thing to actually see it. When you're sitting in a row of chairs of women who are in the exact same dress as you, or their hair looks exactly the same. You know, we all have the same complexion, the same hairdo. It was overwhelming. I thought, why am I here? What makes me different from all these other women? There's no point in me even being here. But when I finally got into the room, I remembered, you know, everybody has their own unique thing to bring. And all you can do is give it your best. And there's just so much that's out of your control. So I went in there and luckily the role is uh, very uh, silly. (laughs) It was more of a comedic role. So I just went in and I made a giant choice and I was really dumb. And it ended up working out in my favor. And uh, I went and filmed three weeks later. And it was one of the best days of my life. I was still stressed out out of my mind. But <laughs> it was great. And I, I think it was a good lesson for me that uh, comparing is not going to help you. You know, yeah. the only thing you can focus on is what can I do that is different? You know, what do I bring to the table? And focusing on those other probably very talented, qualified women isn't going to help me, you know, and they probably booked other great stuff right afterwards, you know? So I think just focusing on not comparing yourself and just giving it your best, there's nothing you can lose. So it was an amazing experience. And um, I think it really helped me when I did end up going back to musical theater because it really grounded me and reminded me, you know, what I'm capable of. So it was really great. And, you know, casting directors, they know what they want. They know, they know what you know, the directors know what they want for a role. So if you walk in there, you can walk in there and just be brilliant. But if you're not what they're looking for, someone else is going to get. So, yes, yeah. so much of it is physical things. It's, oh, I want someone who's five, five, you know, and I'm five, six. It's as silly as that. You know, yeah. so you can't take these things personally, which is hard, but. 
it's hard not to take it personally, but it's not personal, yeah. believe it it's or not. It's not. It's business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, like, it's it's so funny, too, because I'll I'll go to auditions and I'll, you know, meet people. And then the next week you see them book a job, you know, and it's like you're, you're, you are like if you've been in the same room as them and you're like, Oh my gosh, like they're really good. And then you see that like they didn't get it and you're like, how do they not get it? But then they book something else. Like there's, uh, I think that a lot of people just try, you cannot, like, like you said, like you can't focus so much on like, I need to get this job, you know, because there's always going to be another audition after it. There's always going to be another opportunity. And you know what? Like you could have, been like so amazing but again like it could all be down to like your eye color or like the shape of your nose like it is so specific but they might say hey she's not great for this but you're great for something else you know and then they'll call you in for another thing and then every I think that every audition is more of an opportunity to just get exposure and to just meet new people you know I try really not to focus on um oh this is the best I have to be because like if I try doing that then the minute I walk into the room I'm gonna be uncomfortable and then they're gonna be uncomfortable and like you can so tell like if you walk in the room and you are if you have like that energy about you they like the looks and like just standing there it's so awkward like you just you want to make them feel as like you want to let them know that you're comfortable (laughs) and that we're here to just like you know it's uh it's we're here to have fun and i'm here to show you what i have and this is what it is yeah desperation kills (laughs) what was that desperation kills oh they can smell it a mile away (laughs) oh absolutely i i went into an audition once this is when i was still auditioning and I just butchered the song and I sang it and I knew everyone sitting behind the table. There was like 20 people sitting there and uh, uh, they knew I blew it. I knew I blew it. And Chris, Chris Chadman was there and he goes, so Angela, what are you doing right now? And I looked at him and I went suffering and they all just burst out laughing because they, because they knew I knew I'd sucked, you know, but it just happens. You have days that you're doing that, but as long as you're confident enough to just say, I suck, you know what I mean? That was bad or I didn't do my best and, and they appreciate it. I didn't get the job, but you know, that's a story for another thing. So let's talk about, you know, Bella, you, you sort of mentioned about, uh, you know, when you started talking about your TV work and stuff, you, you actually grew up in Orlando, correct? Orlando, Florida. And you worked down there as a little kid, didn't you? I did, it was, yeah. It was before. Yeah, I got into this fairly young. Um, I started in dance, but uh, I quickly moved more into uh, theater, straight acting, and commercials in Orlando. Uh, Orlando is a theme park hub, as many people know. So uh, I was lucky enough to kind of start out and do a lot of commercials, some TV work while I was down here. And... Um, there's an amazing theater scene down here that really, really just uh, gave me an amazing education even before I hit high school. Um, I worked at some of the professional theaters here as a kid and just being surrounded by those actors, I think always inspired me to look to the people around me for education, you know, and I think I, I learned just invaluable lessons from these amazing actors around me in Orlando and you know, there's such a stigma of, oh, New York actors are the only good actors. I don't think that's true whatsoever. I think um, anywhere that there's good theater is good theater, no matter where it is. You know, and I think growing up, I, I learned that you can learn so much from the people around you. And so I'm so grateful for 
the experiences I had here. And coming back here now in the midst of all this is kind of like a full circle moment, you know? <laughs> exactly. And John, where, where, where'd you get started in high school? Did you start in high school or before that? Um, I started in high school. I really didn't know anything about theater. Honestly, I, I mean, I grew up in New York, so I was only like a train ride away from New York City, but it wasn't until high school when I actually first saw my first musical. Um, I always wanted to be a, a movie director as a kid, um, so I always was so into acting and uh, movies, and so when I was a freshman in high school, I was told, oh, they have a really good, you know, drama program, like you should really go try out for them. So I had no idea what an audition was. I didn't know what a monologue was. <laughs> I didn't know anything. <laughs> but I showed up and I recited like a monologue from a movie that I like really liked or something. And I ended up getting a role and I just I just yeah, and then I just did it. And I the moment that I stepped out on stage I felt so comfortable and that's when I knew I was like I really want to do this um and then once I got later into high school that's when I finally realized like wait no I really want to do this like as a career and like this is what I want to do for for life you know that's amazing you know how many guys I talk to that in high school they're on the lacrosse team or they're yeah, basketball team. You had people who play sports that did it because I went to an all boys school. So, uh, you know, only the boys who went to the school could be in the plays, but we got the girls from all over. They could be from anywhere. Um, but yeah, there were, there were football players. There were, uh, sports guys who did the shows because, you know, they were like, Oh, this is a fun thing to do. We might as well do it. We might as well try it. Um, so it was fun to see that too, because, you know, then other people are just like, Oh my God, like, wow. Like it's, you know, both sports and theater. That's it. Well, it's very athletic. Theater is very athletic. Oh, but I, absolutely. I, but I'm, 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 I'm looking at Bella here, and I'm thinking, you know, I was just speaking with someone who said, oh, yeah, I was a lacrosse player, and the, my choir director came up to me and said, please try out for the musical. We need <laughs> you know? And they have they have 85 women or 100. Oh, yeah, that has never happened to a woman. I will tell you right now. Never. No one has ever been like, please audition for my musical to a woman. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it's, no, it's, go it's, to the it's, room. it's like 250 plus, you know, outside. Oh. It's amazing. Yeah. So going into, into the CAP program, when you first came to no, Be Be Bella, your situation was, you guys were like the first year that Malloy actually, actually um, uh, melded with or collaborated with CAP21. That's when CAP21 became part of Malloy. So your experience at, in that program is slightly different than John's because John came in the second year when things were sort of getting ironed out and everything like that. Um, but there was good, there was good and bad to, to both of it. And just talk about how your early experiences, because what I know from the programs, they try to strip you away from everything that you've possibly learned that first year and rebuild you up. I mean, how different was that for you guys? Was that, you know, really hard. I think all of us were the stars of our high school towns. You know what I mean? And when we came in, it was like, oh, I'm a big shot, you know? And uh, that was immediately shot down. <laughs> I think, uh, but it was really, really good because, um, you know, I only knew what I had tried to do, you know, before. And I had never had any kind of, I mean, official, official training in a conservatory way. So, you know, Larry comes in 
and you're doing a scene <laughs> freshman year. I remember for weeks, he didn't let me speak. I would walk into the scene and be like, all right, stop. Are you breathing? <laughs> What's happening with your patellas? He would always focus on our yeah. like, knee tension and whether we were breathing and my shoulders were hiked up, you know, and, and it was amazing. I was so mad at him. I was like, why? Just let me talk, you know, but it was amazing because he was breaking down all these things I had that I didn't want to admit that I had, you know, they were insecurities and tension and, and not being true to your character. And that kind of specific, detailed, painstaking work really set the groundwork for how I approach my roles now, you know, and it's always from the ground up. And I think it, levels everybody's egos and it gets everybody on the same page and it's really hard but worth it for sure and i'm so grateful that he did that (laughs) but yeah cap 21 was very different when we came in i would say it was very similar to how the conservatory had run in the past you know we were back at um we had the fifth and sixth floor and uh we had that old black box studio and I remember that went away pretty quickly and that was kind of sad, but yeah, it it was really cool. It felt like um, kind of like changing of generations, you know, Uh, there was a lot of teachers who had been there as long as Cap 21 had been around and learning from them and talking to them and that being their last year for the most part was, it felt very special. It felt like a very uh, precious time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm so grateful for everything I learned. I wish I could go back. Now that I know what I know, you know, and just go back and re-listen to those lectures and not be so sleepy in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And John, what about you? Your first year, was it a tough year for you? Um, I mean, I, I was walking into school. First of all, I taught myself how to dance. Like I taught myself how to tap. I only took, I didn't really take a lot of dance training. Um, I, as a kid, my sisters danced and I just watched them dance and I was like dying to dance so bad. Um, and then I finally came to school to like, that was right where the main training came in. Um, and the same with acting. I've never taken an acting class. Um, and same with singing. I really never took a voice lesson. Like I only took voices in for a year, uh, before coming to school. So it was very different (laughs) i mean the we were the second class so a lot of things were thought out a little bit more um but still i mean like we were still part of like that other class that was trying to build the program to what it is today um and i and i am so grateful that we were able to see both the studios um on 18th street and the studios that are now on 50 broadway because uh the energy that we walked into at 18th street was it just you didn't i didn't feel as intimidated as i would walking into like pearl studios you know i it felt just everything was so stripped down and um it really i again like it really taught me to build everything from the ground up and it built myself up as an actor from the ground up because i had known like some stuff, but I didn't really know exactly what I was doing. And so, uh, again, I got the same speech from Larry, like you say the word, like the first word of the scene and stop. (laughs) And it was so, and it was so much about like, uh, when you're reading a scene to 
talk as slow as possible and to really get all the words out. And it, one of the biggest things for me is whenever I get a script now, it's, I have to, because I have his voice in the back of my head asking me, what are you saying? And why are you saying it? And uh, if there's a word that you do not know, look it up. (laughs) (laughs) Because you have to uh, really understand what you're saying. But also, um, acting is, it's, it's, I don't know, I, I think that people think that acting is like you have to embody yourself so differently, but you really don't. Like it's really just talking and listening. And I think that once you find that really great space for you to be also like a human being, (laughs) that's where it gets to be so much fun and so enjoyable because you really get to feel the experience not only with your scene partner, but as the actor. Um, Yeah, I lo- I love to just be in a scene and really be present in the moment, and I, that's another thing that Cap has really taught me is to really be a part. Like one, take care of your scene partner, and they're one of the most important parts of the scene. But to be present in that moment, both physically, emotionally, and mentally, um, that is a complete game changer. I think for acting, especially in theater too, because you're it's all present, <laughs> it's all there in the moment. Which I think is so magic about it. No, I agree. So, so you've gone through this CAP program, and the interesting thing is, is that you guys graduated in separate years, but your main stage performances were actually in the same school calendar, same same school year. Your main stage was your your main stage was in the fall, and yours, John, was in the spring, which is unusual. Um, it was just because, again, yours was the very first Bella you guys did Into the Woods. It was the very first main stage performance ever uh, that Cap had put on at Malloy College. And uh, they were still trying to figure out how these productions were going to work. And John, you guys were the second ones. And then they then they switched it to uh, two a year for for the um, next year. So like you guys had two, John, but the next one wasn't until the fall of, of your senior year. So talk a little bit about the experiences in your main stage. I mean, it was a really interesting time because like you said, we didn't really know what to expect. I had a pretty, I, our class was much smaller than the other classes. And I think that's why you guys had two main stages and that's kind of what you guys do now, but we were going to have one. And, um, it was really interesting because up until then, everything had been very loose, very collaborative. That's kind of how Cap 21 works. You know, all of our projects are, you know, showcasing everyone. And I think this was the first time that they were really approaching it as you would a professional production. You know, they brought in a team who did not know us whatsoever. They didn't say, oh, I know what they're capable of or, oh, I've seen them do this in class. No, it was you're doing an audition of 32 bars and that's all you've got. You know, and uh, it was really cool. And it was nerve wracking for a lot of us, you know, because we had always been like, oh, well, I know what this person does. There'll be this role. But actually, I think we were very surprised by the casting in many ways, because like, for example, in school, I typically would do scenes as an ingenue or uh, very like R&H style, you know. So I think I was thinking, oh, they'll probably bring me in for Cinderella or something. And I ended up getting cast as the witch, which was surprising but so exciting because it was the first time that I got to not be the like pretty girl locked in her room singing oh I wish a man would save me you know like it was really cool 
was well, you really did, great. And you did play the Queen of Hearts as well. Oh, that's true. Yes. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, it, it was, um, I think it was great. I think it pushed everybody's limits. It challenged us to find parts of ourselves that we had not previously explored in school. And uh, for me personally, that was to this day still one of the hardest roles I've ever, ever worked on, um, both physically, emotionally, vocally. Uh, it was a huge, huge stretch for me. And I just was so excited to tackle it and that be my final stamp at Cap 21. And mm -hmm. um, I'm really proud of the work that we did. You know, it was bumpy. You know, we were trying to figure out how to do things. But I think the show that we ended up with was amazing and I'm, I'm just so proud of it yeah it was brilliant and you were brilliant in the so role good. the whole the whole class was it was so john talk about your show no you were in on the town yes um so it was junior year uh second semester and um i think that it was so crazy because um Looking back on it now, I feel like such a baby, <laughs> like watching the show back. I'm like, oh, my God, like we feel so young because uh, I mean, the, the now the cat program doesn't do a main stage in your junior year um, just because it was a lot to really step into because we were doing um, a prop, the pop rock project. And then right after that was rehearsals. And then we were in the show. Um, so it was very time consuming because also junior year is a very uh big workload year um because they're trying to get you ready for senior year and you're getting all of this material together i mean i remember getting back into class and just honestly falling asleep you know uh trying to keep up with the schedule because also for cap 21 and malloy college um malloy's on long island and caps in the city so it's a very big commute, um, especially with long hours and long rehearsal times and all that stuff. Um, so the process was uh, honestly I had a lot of fun. I was cast as Gaby, um, which was so, so much fun <laughs> to do. I mean, and also, um, uh, you know, the other two sailors, Chip and Ozzy, like we, the three of us were really great friends. And so that was just so much fun to play around with each other. Um, I do wish that the I do wish that we were all able to be a part of each other's main stages because I think for a show like on the town, I think that it needs a lot of people in it. And so when we found out that we were uh, that we were going to do two main stages and that the, they were just going to split up the casts, it was kind of like it was a little sad in a way because we all wanted this to be like we wanted like it to look like New York city, you know, we wanted to have like a bunch of people and we, we thought that that would have been so much fun. Um, but you know, they decided to split it up and give everyone at least like a, like a showcase, you know, as, as they always try to do in all the projects. Um, it was difficult because they were trying to, cause they had just done into the woods in the fall semester. And so then they were trying to prepare to do another main stage in the second semester. And I think that that's where they kind of ran into trouble because there was issues with the tech side of everything. I mean, our set wasn't finished. And then, um, you know, there was just a bunch of things happening around us that our tech process was very crazy. And I mean, I've run into this issue, I think ever since on the town, I've run into this issue like four other times doing different shows where the tech process is hard because, you know, something happens with the set 
and then that all get and then all the time that we have to light and tech a show gets pushed back. So we are literally teching <laughs> the minute before opening night. Like the absolute last second before going on um and the dress rehearsal where it's the invited dress and that is one of those nights where pretty much everyone from the school comes to because it's a friday night so everyone is just at school already so they might as well just come and see the show um and it's an exciting night because it's like you know we're doing it for all of our peers (laughs) and our teachers and everything and we're all like freaked out because uh you know we lit i we were literally just stepping off the stage before they opened up the doors like we just stepped off the stage just finished checking the very last thing um but i also am i loved like opening nights i think that that is when every the adrenaline is just so high and the whole thing just comes together and i think that we tried really hard not to focus on like all the negative stuff like oh like this wasn't ready this wasn't finished like how are we how are people going to see this and it's not done like we just we just did what we did when we did what we worked on and it ended up being really great um had a blast i mean uh, Gene Kelly, Fred Astaire, Frank Sinatra, they're all those men that like I really look up to. And uh, it was so cool to be a part of like that iconic show that was, uh, you know, those three sailors. It was great. Yeah. And I think um, we always have tech problems, even in major shows. When I did Victor Victoria, I've told this story before. When I did Victor Victoria, we didn't even, the first time in front of an audience, we hadn't even tech the final scene. We actually just did it live in front of people and they were just like winging the lighting and stuff. And I think uh, it, those are, that's, that's when you, that's what's exciting to me, to tell you the truth. I, lo- I like that. And you guys have worked for me. Bella's worked a lot more for me, but you did you did two big shows for me, The West Side Story in concert and A Chorus, and a chorus Line. But uh, a lot of these shows, it's like we throw stuff at you so quickly and you have to learn very quickly. Uh, Bella, you, you've, you've done a ton of shows uh, that way where it's like one, two rehearsals, you're on stage. <laughs> and I mean, I mean... I mean, and then you get into, because I want to get into your tour of American in Paris in Chicago, where you guys had, what, four, six weeks of rehearsal? How was that going, coming from Malloy and Madison Theater, where you're rehearsing, when you're throwing a ton of material and get, getting thrown on stage, and then all of a sudden you're sitting there rehearsing for six weeks? Yeah, it was, it was interesting, because I felt like um, this was the first time I was playing a role that, I mean... Milo, I played Milo Davenport in American right. Paris, and uh, she doesn't really dance, you know, it's, uh, she's really there for plot and story and uh, singing, and American Paris is so much about the ballet and the dance, and that's the whole show, you know, so it was the first time I was coming into a production where I wasn't called a lot of the time, <laughs> which was really weird for me. Um, but I think it was really cool because it gave me the time to just sit down with the director, work on these scenes. I had so much amazing time just to really think about every word and what she was doing and think about what the women before me had done in this role, you know, and approach it like that. But at the same time, um, when you're coming in, you know, you know it. The first day was a table read. You know, you're singing through the entire show. You're saying all the lines. So there was a lot of work that I had to do beforehand. And it was hard because most of the cast had been cast in the show 
months prior and I had two and a half weeks. Um, so, uh, I, along with Branson, who plays Jerry, who's our lead, um, in the show, we had been very last minute casting decisions. <laughs> so we came in, you know, with, a uh, very much the flurry of, oh, wow, I have to change my entire life now. Uh, so it was really exciting, but it was very much a whirlwind. So, uh, in some ways I wish I had had that time, but in other ways, I think it was really exciting because I got to genuinely devote my entire life to this production and, um, it was it was really exciting, and uh, it was the first time I had rehearsed in an entire floor in Ripley Greer. You know what I mean? Like it's just yeah. a silly thing, but it's it's an exciting thing for us, you know, because we see people doing that. We go into auditions, we see, you know, oh, that's the that's the SpongeBob floor, or whatever. You know, it's it's exciting. You know, there's a little part of your brain says, oh wow, that's that's something I've looked at and I've wanted to do. So uh, it was an amazing process. It was it was really really enlightening. Yeah, you're so right about uh, walking into Ripley, uh, Ripley, Ripley Greer, and uh, <laughs> like getting to like be one of the floors, you know, and like walking around, and then because <laughs> like you think to yourself, like, yeah, like you were one of those people in the hallway getting ready for an audition next door, and you're like, oh, like that's the that's the Chicago cast, or like that's the yeah. cast, or whatever. It's really um, amazing. Uh, so for Chicago, we had basically three weeks to put together everything. Um, I'm so blessed to have worked with the original Broadway team. So um, Gary Christ, who is the Chicago dance supervisor, who has been the supervisor for like 20 years. Um, he's the one that set our choreography with us. And um, Tanya Nardini, she uh, is more of like the international director for Chicago. So she set it in Brazil, in Australia, like all over the world. Um, and they've been a team together setting it in all the different countries. So, um, and then we had the original um, music director for Chicago. And it was like the three of them were like the three walking Chicago historians. Like <laughs> it was, it was just so amazing to one, learn this iconic choreography, which I was like, so I was here for it. I was so ready. Chicago was such a dream show for me. And it was so surreal. Like that, those three weeks were very surreal for me because we were, it was just like we got taken on a time machine to back to like, oh my gosh, to just like the original. Cause like the stories that they were telling us about Anne Ranking and just how she would say this note. And he was like, because uh, Gary is like best friends with Anne. So he would always be like, no, he's like, I'm going to change that because Annie would hate that. And and he would always say like Mr. Fossey, and he would tell us so much about Fossey and just the way he worked and the type of choreographer he was and the process for putting on not only Chicago, but for Pippin and for dancing, like all the other Fossey shows. So, um, and it was a little intimidating, I will say, because you walk into the room and there's the three of them and they know so much. They, they like live and breathe the show like they know every single piece of it. So it was very um, intimidating because sometimes people look at Chicago and they think of it as a chorus line where like everyone has a track because the chorus line, there is a Bible. And so, you know, it's like 
Judy go, goes on four here, five here, six here. And like, you all have like a little sheet, but, um, the very first day, uh, was, and also I've never seen the show on Broadway. And so a bunch, I saw a bunch of my castmates prior to doing rehearsal. They saw the show on Broadway. And so I thought to myself, I was like, Oh my God, like I'm so far behind. Like, I don't, like, I don't know, like the show as you know, I'm trying to like watch videos, but I don't know it. I've never like seen it. But the first day Gary said, you're not allowed to watch YouTube no more seeing the show. And he said <laughs> that there is no such thing as tracks in Chicago. He was like, you can try and track whatever role you get. He's like, but there is no tracking in Chicago, especially for the ensemble. Because he said that one of the biggest things for Fosse was building a show with the actors that he had and not trying to just say that this is what it is and just do it. Um, so it, so it felt like we were, um, our cast was treated very special, um, because it was like, we all created the show together and it was as if we were doing Chicago for the first time, like the stigma of, Oh, so I am doing this show and this is so iconic. It's been on Broadway for, you know, 24 years. Like, Oh my God, like I have to do it this way. Like it was, uh, there was so much freedom in making a choice, um, which is what I loved about that because I was so analytical at one point where, you know, Gary came up to me, Gary was like, he's like, why are you so like, he's like, he's like, it's not that deep. He's like, it's really not that deep. He's like, <laughs> he's like, I want to see your personality. He's like, I want there to be such personality. And I think that um, it makes me watch Fosse in a different way now. I perform Fosse in a different way because I think that everyone thinks that it's that one character, but it's really not. It's it's your personality and your uh, storytelling as an actor to uh, portray whatever it is that you want to do. Um, so three weeks and then we were out on the road. So, uh, and Chicago is not a show where it needed like six weeks. You know, it's, um, you know, the numbers are for the, the ensemble and then the numbers with Velma and Roxy. And then it's sort of just the other short scenes. Like it's a very fast paced show anyways. Um, so we didn't need like that much time. And I felt like if we had spent <laughs> more time in Ripley, I think we would have just gotten way too, then we would have started getting very analytical. I think. Um, and it was really great too, because they would invite uh, the members of the Broadway team, like the cast to come and watch us. So I got to do it for like Amra Faye Wright, who's Velma for like 15 years. And they didn't tell us either. Like they literally, we uh -huh. come back from lunch and they're there and they're like, all right, so we're going to do the run for these people. And we're just like, okay, great. <laughs> um, so, and it was really cool to get to talk to them afterwards and hear their story. So, um, you know, we're all part of the Chicago family now, which is really great. Um, and something that I, to like, I never thought that like that would, you know, ever happen. Like, I didn't think that it's just so crazy how like life happens in the world works. Right. So talk about, it came to an abrupt end, right? How long were you on the road before? Um, I, we started, you, I think. We both opened think, up the same theater, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did. Um, yeah. We did tech in Yakima at the Capitol. Um, gorgeous in, theater. Oh my god. In gosh. where? Uh, in uh, Yakima, Washington. Yakima, <laughs> wow. Yeah, both of our tours opened at the same theater. I remember. Uh, yeah. I was on Instagram. I saw yeah, you in yeah. I was like, are you guys opening at the Capitol? It was yeah. beautiful theater. Yeah, that was such a cool place to open. Um, but we, we opened January 5th. So we were on for about um, two and a half months. But we were supposed to go until the end of June. 
So um, I don't know about you guys. You guys opened fairly recently, right? So, yeah, we opened up. So we started rehearsals January 27th. And then February 17th is when we were leaving to go to Washington, Yakima to start tech. And, um, so we teched and did our final dress rehearsal in a week and a half there. And then I believe it was February 28th was our like official opening night in Spokane, Washington, um, which was incredible. Like, uh, yeah, that was, that was so incredible. We got to open up for a house of like 2,700 and we were sold out. It was, it was wild. Um, gorgeous theater. Oh, oh my gosh. Stunning. Just absolutely. I mean, that is another great thing about, uh, being able to, I'm sure you can attest to this too, like being on tour. It's like the show never gets old because you're not doing it in the same place. So you're constantly just, and then, you know, uh, sometimes like the show, like we don't have time, like on a travel day, like you don't have time to get into the theater and set every single number with the numbers provided or the space because some, procedures are wider or more narrow and the dimensions are so different. But so sometimes you walk out on stage and you're like, Oh, we're here. <laughs> or it's like, this is on this side of the seat now. And the, like, it's, you know, we all, that's, we all. That's something I did not think about when we were going I on tour. And I don't know either. how I didn't think about this, but uh, yeah. we have five different versions of the show. We have show A, show B, show C, show D and show Z. So basically we have this enormous, beautiful set. But it so affects the choreography because the way our show runs is dancing all the time. It never stops. Um, a lot of our ensemble is moving set pieces when things are turning and coming off. And um, a lot of venues, we can't fit all of our set. So we have extra choreography to cover what set pieces are not there. So our ensemble genuinely knows five different sets of the choreography that they do. And it's crazy to me that they can keep that in their heads and know oh these panels aren't in today so I'm doing extra chenets into a layout here and then I'm doing this thing to go off stage to cover the time that normally these panels would be spending it's nuts and um our first show outside of Yakima we had um one of those shows and it was uh, (laughs) a huge wake-up call for me where I was like oh I have to know different kinds of this show, but it's cool. You know, it keeps you on your toes, like John said, and you, you stay really invested and in tune with your cast members because you're thinking, oh, this isn't in today. I need to remember that. <laughs> or yeah. all of this that is in today, I don't want to get hit by a flying drop, you know? So oh, absolutely. <laughs> you have to, yeah, you, it keeps you awake and it's yeah. so cool just seeing different <sighs> cities and stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, so. Go ahead. Um, sorry, no, sorry. Um, but uh, yeah, like that's another thing too, because uh, if you've seen Chicago, you know that it's just the bandstand and, you know, 10 chairs on each side. And that's pretty much the set. It, there's no changing at all, except for with the movement around stage. Um, so in certain theaters, the band, the, the orchestra pit will be sometimes like it'll just fit, but then there'll be no backspace because usually like the back behind it, like, there's so much room because we're not using up the entire wing space, but some places though we get there and as soon as you come off stage you have to like keep tight and close because there's not enough space or sometimes it'll be too it'll come 
downstage um, a little bit more than usual. So then like the dancers will be tighter and you won't realize it until you're in the dance. And then you're like so close together. And you're like, oh my gosh, okay, well now we got to, you know, figure it out. Or, you know, and then you always have to be careful about the step because there's a step that comes out for anyone who's coming down the center. So sometimes if that doesn't happen, then like we always have to have a code of like, okay, we're going to tell, because then you have to tell the conductor and then he has to call on his little bat phone and say, you know, the step isn't working. We have to, you know, do something about that at whatever time we can. Um, so yeah, it's always like you always have to be completely aware about whatever you're doing. No, it's fun. And in Chicago, does your, the whole band tour with you or are you guys picking up bands in the city? Sometimes they advance the music director to rehearse with the band in cities um, or do they re- actually tour with you in this? Yeah, company? so they so they tour with us. Um, we have the band is on the same bus as the cast mm-hmm. um, because again, Chicago is a small show. So uh, you know we have um, I want to say at least eleven to twelve band members, um, and so they will travel with us and they'll stay at the same hotels as us. Um, the crew will travel ahead of us obviously to get to the next place and start setting up. Um, but yeah, so our musical director though was, um, our conductor was with us in rehearsals. So, uh, because the, the setting team was there. And so he, the original musical director for Chicago took him under his wing really. And like, you know, he gave him all the notes and all the specifics. Um, and you know, he was, and you know, the team was there for tech so that they were able to really set the show the way they wanted it and the way it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so we, uh, I mean, there, there was a time though that, uh, one of our read players had to leave. So we, they got a guy to come in and his first night doing the show, he sight read the show. He, and you would have never known it though. This guy was so, so talented. He did not even know what Chicago was. He had no idea. He just got a phone call. He came, he arrived, he sat down, he did the show he sight read the entire thing and we were all blown away because we didn't know that he said we just thought oh like he's somebody who you know that they know um but no and he and now he you know and then he kept doing the show with us from then on and it just it, it was crazy it was amazing though yeah, yeah. and uh, so are your tours going to pick back up have you heard anything from your producers bella uh, yeah um things are kind of up in the air right now um we, funnily enough, our last show was in Florida where my family was coming to see me. So I was staying with my family and we were here and I was so excited. It was the first time they were seeing the show. Uh, March 12th and 13th, we had shows here um, near where I live in Lakeland and Avon Park. And so my family saw the show. It was so exciting, but I was staying with them. So all of my stuff was on the bus and I was not really saying goodbye or talking to the cast at all. And before I knew it, um, that night, March 13th, we got the order that we were going to stop performances and I had not gotten to say goodbye to the cast at all. Um, my roommate cooked any things that I had on the bus that were personal items and she's holding on to them for me. And so it was very, it was very drastic. I, I think it was, um, 
because we had just been talked to by our producers, you know, some cities were canceling, but we we're like, oh, we're going to continue on. And if we have to take a couple of days off, then we have to take a couple of days off, but we're going to continue on. And that's the last thing we had heard. And we were like, great. You know, so I thought, oh, great. I have a job. It's fine. And then, you know, everything shut down from there. So, um, but it was really you- the best decision. I think it was just shocking for all of us because we had never experienced anything like this before. Um, so originally the plan was to come back at the end of April and continue with our tour schedule, but it's looking like that is not going to happen. Um, I cannot officially speak for the company, but it's looking like we're going to return in the fall with the brand new tour schedule, um, probably sometime around right. August or September, and try to pick back up on, I mean, we didn't even get through half of our run. So right. I think we're just going to come up with a brand new tour schedule for the fall and and it's hard because it's hard because each of these theaters across the country that had your show in had something booked in the fall had you know so it's you know it's hard to get those theaters back in line uh, with these tours but are the producers in contact with you guys are they saying this is what's happening you know or but- yeah they've been very communicative uh, very supportive of us and to be honest I, what they're most concerned about is everyone's health and safety they don't want to put the cast in jeopardy they don't want to put Absolutely. theater goers in jeopardy you know because maybe things will be okay over the summer but they still don't want to be perpetuating anything that might cause something so even right. though it might be great to be performing i i think it's probably the best decision just to wait it out unfortunately and yeah. come back when we can you know yeah. get back to the show and john it looks like you're you're in a hotel right now i see some weights stuff back there. it looks like a workout room back there <laughs> no 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 i'm not in a hotel <laughs> um, <laughs> But um, so the so we were on our way. We were on the tour bus. We were just in Modesto, California, and so we were on our way to Palm Springs to perform there for I think three nights. And so, as we were on the bus, our uh, company manager turned around and was like, "Hey, so we are currently canceling the shows in Palm Springs. Um, we are on our way there. We're going to continue to go there, but." Um, as of right now, like they're canceling the shows for the remainder of the time that we're there. So we were like, okay. And then what the original plan was. So March 17th up until I think the 20, 23rd or 25th was a layoff for us. So we were going to have, so we were going to perform up until the 17th, have a week layoff. And then we were going to return to go to Canada and start doing shows out in Canada and then come back to California and then we would have another layoff and then for a week and then come back out back and forth. Um, so basically the original plan was just to go home anyways. So, uh, we were like, okay, yeah, like that's fine. And then as this, as the news were kept progressing, we were like, well, we don't know if we're going to be able to travel out to Canada. Um, so then, the next day we were arriving to Palm Springs and then our company manager, our touring manager all sat us down and we all had a big meeting about what were the next steps were going to be. So they decided that we, they had to cancel the Canada shows. Um, and currently their original plan was to start up after our most recent layoff, which would be like April 23rd or something like right after Easter. Um, that was the original plan, but then they've, been in such great contact with us. Um, but as of right now, there uh, talks about starting at the end of July. So picking up on the second leg. 
Um, so there, and I, again, like I can't say any official, official news. Um, I do have a meeting with them though, coming up on Monday to discuss the, you know, the next steps and like, just pretty much like what everything is going to be. Um, cause they've had time to really like decide. And again, the thing about venues is, yeah, like there are venues that, I mean, other, and luckily, I mean, I'm so glad that this is a scene for you, Bella, where like your tour just isn't like fully finished. I mean, there are so many other tours that just once this arrived, like they were done. So uh, I think that that is also really sad to hear too, um, especially if they were out on the road, you know, mm-hmm. um, but they are trying to do their best to give us, pick up everything that we did that we missed so and pick up on other venues that maybe other shows like got canceled that try to pick up as much as they can. Um, so I think that we're going to do, be doing picking up on the second leg, which is how it was supposed to be at the you know mid and July. And then um, it might go a little bit longer than expected uh, for going into like next year, maybe um, it's because they're going to try and do all the venues. And, get, and that's the thing, too. It's like there are other venues who have other plans for the fall and for the winter. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's a huge, uh, troubling time for yeah. these across the world, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, and as, uh, someone has says, you know, there's people that have it a lot worse than we do right now. So we should be thankful for what we have. So what are you guys doing to keep yourself busy? Just trying to keep sane, to be honest. <laughs> um, I, I'm living with my parents here in Florida since I was already here. Um, and we are just kind of hunkering down. We've, I've been in the house for almost three weeks now. Uh, luckily, my boyfriend flew out of New York right before they were kind of stopped from flying anywhere. Um, so he's in quarantining with us. And yeah, you know, I'm, I'm reading. I'm... Um, creating some material for some different theaters who are doing different fundraisers and stuff that I've worked for. And I'm um, just trying to stay sane. I'm watching the tiger King. Tiger King thing. I got to watch it because everyone. Oh, it's watching. so good. It's, so <laughs> it's really great. It's horrible, but really great. What about you, John? Um, I'm currently uh, in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, I was in New York when I came back. um, And then I came out here to Cincinnati, Ohio, stay with Ryan. Um, We, so New York is, yeah, Ryan Mulvaney, yeah. Uh, So New York is a pretty crazy place right now. Um, You know, it's, it's getting really wild. So I'm really trying to keep in touch as much as I can with like how my family's doing. Um, you know, we're also, we're going to quarantine ourselves for another couple of weeks maybe, uh, because New York is really bad. Um, and I've been watching the tiger King. I've been watching, oh my gosh, I've been watching so many shows. Um, but honestly, I think that it's, it's really, I mean, as part of the theater industry, like it's always you're on the go, on the go, on the go. So it's really nice to really take a moment to, it's a long moment, but <laughs> it's a moment to like really like sit back and just, I don't know, sort of like self reflect and think about like, okay, like I've been doing all of this stuff and, you know, trying to plan yourself for what's going to happen, you know, when this is all done. Um, I think that I'm really trying to, I think for me, I'm really trying to understand like 
how this virus is affecting so many different people and how, like, again, it so many people have it way worse than us, you know? Um, and I think that, and I feel so bad for anyone who's in school right now. I think that that is what's really like getting me the most is I can't imagine being like a senior in college. I mean, even for the cap students right now, uh, yeah. that are, that are just, you know, your, yeah. the rest of your time there is kind of just stripped away from you. And I think that that's such special time because it's like the ending of, uh, those four amazing years and all of the work that you've done. Um, but I think that, you know, it's, it's a great time to really think about what you really want to bring to the table when it comes to stepping into the industry, you know, cause they're going to be stepping into it right, right yeah. out of the quarantine. Uh, you know, That's so hope. I think that knock on wood. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> So that's great. I mean, so before we get to our final question, I just wanted to, you know, Bella, a show that started at the Madison Theater was a band called Hanalee, and I see that you've been touring with them a little bit. I just, I mean, just tell everyone quickly what that is about, because that's complete. That's that's completely different than theater, right? <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying, Angelo. I haven't done any theater in a long time. Um, but no, it is a great opportunity that came out uh, from Aaron Gandy, who works a lot with you at the Madison Theater. And uh, I've worked with him a lot throughout the years. And he really gave me a leg up with doing different uh, symphonies and concerts. And we worked together a lot when I was coming out of school. And he bring me on in his different projects. And one project that came up is a band called Connolly, which is a uh, band based on the music and story of Peter, Paul, and Mary. So we do a lot of 60s folk. And it's actually my dream job. It's so much fun. Uh, we we go around the country singing amazing music and telling the stories of how these songs were written. And uh, it's it's basically a concert, you know, and, and we performed all over the country. And it's been an absolute blast. And I genuinely would never have gotten this job if it weren't for the Madison Theater and knowing Aaron and uh, having him hear me over a long period of time. So it's been great. And the nice thing about that job is I have it to go back to when I'm, when I'm done with American in Paris, uh, there's a couple other girls who do my tracks. So uh, right. it's just nice to have something stable, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, to go off of what John was saying, um, I think this is the first time in my life that I've been able to come home and not be afraid that an email from my agent is going to have me flying back to New York or canceling plans or you know, this is the first time that I can generally be here with my family and then not be afraid that I'm going to have to leave at a moment's notice, yeah. you know, because yeah. that's, that's expected of you in our industry. You know, you're, yeah. you have to always be available, always be ready. And, um, it's the first time that I get to really just be, which is hard and scary. And, uh, I know this is a terrible situation that we're in, but I'm really just trying to make the best of it and um, spend as much time with my family just being with them and not being distracted and taken away by my career. So it's kind of because it's like you can never, we can never plan ahead, you know, being in this industry too. It's like, you can never really say for definite, Oh, we can go here. And then like a minute later, you're going to get an email saying like, Hey, we want you to come in for this or do this, you know? Yeah. Like it, it is always, you always have to be on. And so, and also I think that, for such a terrible reason as to why we are all away from each other and away from what, doing what we love. I think that as soon as this is over, like the art that's going to happen, like the, 
the hunger of everybody right now to get out there and do theater and do shows. I think that there's going to be such a, an amazing part of everyone else's passion. Like everyone is going to just, you know, I, I, for one, I'm never, I'm never take for granted what every time I step out on stage, because, you know, the next day it could not happen for you, you know, and it could like something can happen. You can injure yourself. You can, there's so many different possibilities, but I think that as of right now too, it's like, I'm never going to take for granted the moments that I have doing a show or being around any of these people, you know, being around people, you know, cause we can't, or, you know, just being able to walk around New York city, just on a nice day, you know, and just to just listen to some music or do that. Yeah. It's things that we take for granted. So my final question for you guys, I could talk to you guys for another hour, probably. Uh, there's so much to talk with you guys. And I think it's been great. It's been thrilling to see you guys again and talk with you. Uh, and I didn't re- really didn't get your choreography, John, but you've choreographed for me at the Madison. You choreographed, you've come back to cap and you choreographed or you assisted on one of the main stage shows for them. But that's, that's for another conversation. So who's the, who's the one person that it really influenced you or that person that was like, wow, oh, I really want to do that. That one person that just turned your world around, that rocked your world. And what is your dream role? Let's start with John. Um, I would say the one person to do that for me was watching old Hollywood movies, watching Gene Kelly, watching Fred Astaire. Um, I think that watching them and just being taken away into that world and uh like i a dream of mine is to redo the mgm musicals like bring back all of those amazing classics um yeah like it's just it's such it's such timeless material um and i and i just i love all of it uh a dream role for me would be um Cornelius Hackle in Hello Dolly because Hello Dolly is one of those shows where I just I love it so much and when I saw it on Broadway I was completely blown away I mean I pretty much I think I cry at every Broadway show (laughs) just because it's like as soon as like the show is over I immediately get out of my seat and I'm like I want to go on stage like I want to go do all of this stuff and I think that that is what is so inspiring about theater is that you get to First of all, you can't replay. So it's every performance is different and every moment is what's happening right in front of you. And it's just so it's just so incredible and so inspiring. And I think that that's why it's so uh, magical, I think, for everybody who does theater and even even sees it. And then they think one day, oh, I want to get up and do that someday. Um, Yeah, I think. Yeah. Bella, who's your who's your one wall person? The one person who I think influenced me the most is uh, Barbara Streisand. Uh, My mom and I, my entire life, we drove around my mom's van with all of Barbara Streisand's CDs. And I remember in high school, someone saying to me, I used to copy everything Barbara Streisand did, all her weird little like things because of her accent. I had no Brooklyn accent, but I was like putting it on to sound (laughs) just like her. Just because I, I thought she was such an amazing female role model. You know, she was one of the first female directors to be nominated for an Oscar. And um, she's taken over our industry and changed what it means to be a woman. And you don't have to be the image of beautiful, you know, whatever society says. You could just be yourself. And she is so herself. There's no one like her. And I, oh, God, 
I could go on and on. <laughs> but um, I, yeah, I, I remember in high school, someone saying to me, they're like, you know, you don't have to sound like Barbra Streisand. It's cool to like, like her, but you should sound like yourself. And I remember thinking, I was like, what do I sound like? I was like, that's a weird thing to say to me. And then I started realizing, I was like, oh, I don't really know what I sound like. So that was kind of the moment for me where I started exploring who I was as a performer, separate from all the people that I had admired and taking away things that I liked, but maintaining my own uniqueness. Uh, but I still love Barbara Streisand. Uh, but my <laughs> dream role, this is hard, but I think my dream role, honestly, is the show that I'm doing now. I know that's really cheesy, uh, but Milo Davenport is... Now where do you go from here? Where do you go from here? <laughs> but, okay, well, I'm, other than Milo, I would say probably Nellie in South Pacific. Oh. I think she's uh, an amazing woman. I I'm so drawn to roles of female in positions of power when they otherwise wouldn't be. Mm -hmm. And um, I think Nellie holds her own and is not afraid to go after what she wants and her songs are amazing and she has such a great art she's very flawed and i think she learns a lot about herself throughout the musical it's just she's a great female role model and i love playing roles like that which is why i like milo in exactly. you know exactly. but um, yeah so yeah. that's kind of my qualifications for a really great role yeah i used to have a friend who used to say Every time he did a new role, it was his favorite role. It was his dream role. He goes, I don't have, I don't have dream roles because every time I do a new show, I'm like, oh, this is a dream. You know, I, I just love this role. I love this I feel the same way. <laughs> yeah, I feel the exact same way. I mean, it's a very hard, it's a very loaded question. <laughs> it is a loaded question. It's I think performing is my dream role. Just yes. perform. Just dream role is definitely whatever I'm doing at the current moment. Absolutely. Well, this has been great, guys. I want to thank you both. Let's thank my guests, Bella Muller and John Garanya, for chatting with us today. Uh, you may have seen them on the touring productions of An American Paris or Chicago. If you haven't, I'm sure you're going to see them somewhere in many more productions to come. So until then, we'll keep the seats warm for you. Bye now. I want to thank producers Kathleen the Machine Marino, Eileen Swagger Sweeney, and the VP of Advancement Edward the Terrific Thompson. Technical support and editing by Calvin the Great Guevara Flores. Graphic designs by Francis Bouncing Bonnet and Sarah Prancing Palazzolo.